Hello, my friends. It's Begonia Bree, the book fairy here, and I am so very happy you invited me for story time with you. I love to bring you fairy tales, folk stories, legends, and myths from all over the world. Today's story comes from ancient Greece, during a time when people believed that many gods and goddesses ruled over them from a beautiful kingdom on the top of Mount Olympus. These gods and goddesses were very powerful and had many different jobs to do to take care of life on Earth, like helping crops grow or taking care of rivers and other natural resources. And like the mortals they reigned over, mortals being regular old people like you and me, these rulers could be selfish, petty, vain, and sometimes downright mean. But they did have their favorite mortals and sometimes bestowed gifts and special blessings on them. And that's what happens in today's story. Before I begin, it's important to remember that a lot of ancient stories existed in various forms for many, many years before any of them were ever written down. Therefore, the story might change a little, or a lot, over time, depending on who was telling it and why. For the purposes of my bedtime stories, I just share the version I like the best. So go ahead and ask your grown-up for one last drink of water, and make sure you have your favorite stuffy or pillow nearby. Snuggle up under your covers so you're nice and safe and comfy. All good? Well then, let's begin. Once upon a time, a baby girl was born to the king and queen of Arcadia. Despite the fact that she was a lovely, healthy child, the king was disappointed. He had hoped for a son because he believed that only a son could be worthy enough to someday inherit his magnificent kingdom. Her mother, however, disagreed and gave the baby the name Atalanta, meaning equal in weight. She would grow up to be as strong and powerful as any son, the queen insisted, but the king had already made up his mind. He had the little girl sent away to be cared for deep in the forest by the spirits of the trees and the streams far outside the palace walls. Atalanta's situation had caught the attention of Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. Artemis was eternally unmarried and one of the few goddesses who preferred to live on her own, spending long days hunting in the forests of Arcadia with her followers, tree spirits called dryads. Artemis was also the defender of young women, especially those who were on their own or in danger. Upon learning of Atalanta's abandonment in the Arcadian wilderness, Artemis set out immediately to find the child. The goddess and her companions committed themselves to raising Atalanta as one of their own. Despite being rejected by her father, Atalanta grew up happy. She had no royal jewels, but she had the flowers of the fields for her hair. Some nights, when she curled up on the soft, green moss of the forest floor, she watched the reflection of the moon dance on the surface of the stream that cut through the woods. As it swayed, pale and glowing in the water, Atalanta reflected on her own life. She was grateful, not upset, that she had been raised as a daughter of the forest. What freedom she had and what peace compared to a princess cooped up in a palace, draped in heavy jewelry and wrapped in stifling layers of silk. Her sisters were the spirits of the birch and the ash and the oak. She did not need a tutor to educate her in foreign affairs or different languages. From the mother bear, she learned strength. From the sly wolf, she learned cunning. From the timid hare, she learned caution. And from the wide-eyed owl, she learned wisdom. 
Artemis oversaw these in all aspects of her unusual education, and the archer goddess herself taught Atalanta how to hunt with a bow and arrow. By her teenage years, she had indeed become as skilled, cunning, and swift as any prince could ever hope to be. Occasionally, hunting parties traveled through the area of Arcadia that Atalanta considered her home. These groups tended to be loud and boisterous, and they were led forward by howling dogs on the trail of a rabbit or a fox. Artemis, too, had dogs to assist her, but they were sleek, graceful, swift, elegant creatures, not growling, slobbering monsters like these ones. The first time Atalanta had seen one of these mobs, she'd been terrified. And now, here today was another one. She had shimmied up a tree just in time to watch the men and their beasts crash into the glen. There were only two dogs and four men that she could see, but they created such a racket. Then, all at once, the men and the dogs fell silent. Even the chirping of birds and the clicking of the insects faded into nothing. Atalanta followed their gaze and saw what had stopped them, literally, in their tracks. Not thirty feet away from the group, a beautiful doe had appeared. She was tall and lean, and her coat was silvery. Her eyes were huge, inky black, and seemed to see into the souls of every single being before her, man and beast. She was breathtaking. None of the hunters had ever encountered such an incredible animal in all their lives. After a moment, the spell was broken, and one of the hunters slowly pulled an arrow from his quiver. As he raised his bow, Atalanta instinctively leapt from the tree, crying out and knocking the bow out of the hunter's arms. He fell, and the rest of his arrows clattered out of his quiver. Wasting no time, Atalanta grabbed the bow and one of the arrows herself, backing away from the startled group. One of the men helped the fallen one to his feet, and the other two knocked their arrows and aimed at the creature who'd just attacked them. "'It's just a child!' one of them announced, both startled and embarrassed that they'd been ambushed by a lone girl. While they lowered their bows in confusion, Atalanta kept hers aimed on them. "'You little monster! You scared away our prey!' one of the hunters gestured to where the doe had been standing, expecting to see that she'd use the moment to her advantage disappearing again into the brush. But the doe hadn't moved. Instead, the glossy coat of the doe began to shine even brighter, and in a beautiful silent burst of light and air, the form of the animal melted away to reveal the goddess Artemis standing there before them. The hunters were awestruck, caught between worship and terror. They fell to their knees in reverence, but Atalanta kept her eyes and her bow trained on them. Her voice echoed in the tense silence as she cried to Artemis, "'My lady, I could not let them injure you!' She knew that no god or goddess could be killed, but even the mighty Olympians were vulnerable to wounds when in their animal forms. Artemis bestowed on Atalanta a pleased smile. "'You think you have rescued me, my dear girl, but instead you have spared these animals a terrible fate.' She gestured to both the men and their dogs, who were whimpering fearfully next to their masters. What? Atalanta refused to lower her bow. Had the arrows been released and struck me, a hundred dryads would have burst from the very trees here, furious that mere mortals should dare approach a sacred wood and a sacred doe, let alone attempt to kill one. 
Yes, their trees themselves would have fallen on these men, and the birds of the air would have picked their bones clean. Atalanta, you have preserved these men's lives today. She turned her icy silver gaze towards the men. Are you not grateful, mortals? Her Highness, the brave Atalanta, has spared you a terrible demise. The expressions on the hunters' faces made it clear that they were struggling to make sense of what was happening. This beautiful deer was really the goddess of the hunt, and they were about to be crushed to death by tree spirits, but some kind of feral princess had saved them? One of the hunters regained the use of his voice before the others. Yes, yes, my lady, we are grateful for your great mercy in allowing the princess to keep us from harm. He carefully inched towards Artemis, still on his knees, while his eyes flickered between the two women before him. The other hunters mumbled their agreement, and likewise bowed down even lower. In return for her quick thinking and her mercy, you will take Princess Atalanta to the palace and present her to her parents, the king and queen of Arcadia. Tell them that the forgotten daughter returns. The words of the goddess echoed even as her form began to fade into stardust. But, but my lady, no! I, I don't want to go back! Now Atalanta is the terrified one. She has not been among mortals in sixteen years, and now her beloved patroness is abandoning her to them? Sending her back to her father who didn't even want her? Catching the stares of the hunters, Atalanta composed herself and calmly returned the bow and arrow to the one who spoke to Artemis. Is it true? he asked her. Are you the lost princess of Arcadia? Atalanta fixed her features in the same serene gaze she so often saw on the face of Artemis. "'The Lady of the Hunt has no need to lie to mere mortals,' she replied primly. "'Indeed, I am Atalanta, but I am no lost princess. "'Something can only be considered lost if it was once desired, can it not?' The men shifted uncomfortably, refastening their gear, stroking their hounds, and generally avoiding eye contact with the young woman. "'My name is Prince Maleager, your highness,' the man replied with a respectful bob of his head. Atalanta didn't look anything like a princess in her simple tunic, but he was certainly not going to call down the wrath of her goddess again. My father is the king of Caledon. The other men echoed with their own names, and Atalanta nodded. All of you clearly heard the desires of my lady, then? By command of the goddess Artemis, you will take me to the palace of Arcadia. And that is the end of part one of Atalanta. Sweet dreams! Magic Tree by Jeff Harvey.